Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. Pastor Howard, we're now on the fourth lesson of the fourth quarter of this year of 2021. This lesson is entitled, To Love the Lord Your God, as we continue looking at present truth in Deuteronomy. That's right. But before we get into the substance and content of our lesson, let's have a couple of housekeeping items. The first of which is we want to remind you once again that we have our Sabbath School workshop coming up and very, very soon. In fact, it's October 29 to 31 at beautiful Camp Asable here in the Michigan Conference. And uh, if you go to michigansspm.org and click on that banner that falls down there, uh, that's right. It talks about it. Thoroughly equipped is our thing, and we're talking about how to. Um, how to do Sabbath School more effectively. Yeah, exactly. All the elements of Sabbath School more effectively. We're not doing children's Sabbath School things right. at this particular. This is all adult Sabbath School stuff, but we're going to have resources and training. It's going to be good. Right. So register, sign up today. And you stay there. And we had to have re we've had, had have had requests from people out of state. You know, you can get on and register. We do have lodging there if you were so inclined sure. to come toward uh, the balmy state of Michigan. <laughs> well, what was the other thing you wanted to talk about? Well, just we highlighting lesson? when it comes to teaching the lesson, we've had people say, it's always funny when you go into a Sabbath school class, Cameron and I, it's like, oh, you guys do talking points. And then people get all weird about yeah. like teaching if they do know like or, have you ever had them apologize them. yeah <laughs> they'd be like oh, yeah i'm sorry i didn't use it it's like it voice. wasn't a thing yeah no. we, we, we are the point purpose for talking points is to give some tips on being able to get through the lesson so some people will walk through the lesson Sabbath afternoon sunday monday tuesday and we've commented on how a lot of times that just gets you through monday afternoon right that is not saying you can't do it that way i know several people and sometimes i myself will walk through sabbath sunday monday tuesday our purpose here is that when you do that if that's your method of teaching it that you get all the way through with some clear takeaway points from the lesson. Thus, That's, by the way, the name of the program, Talking Points, is we want everyone to have, when they get up to teach Sabbath school, to have some points in mind that they're trying to convey. They don't have to like, be our points. Exactly. The goal isn't getting just through some of the stuff or filling the time. The goal is to drive home points, make it clear from the Word of God, and leave with some conviction. That's right. Anyway, so thank you for that clarifying uh, a little uh, training there, but we do need to dive into this week's lesson, a very important theme, perhaps one of the most important in all of Scripture, the love that we're commanded to have for the Lord. Yes. So we'll get into that in just a minute, but uh, before we do that, let's start with a word of prayer. Absolutely. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to study these important themes. Lord, guide on our production here today and the lessons and the Sabbath school classes that are going to be held uh, on this topic. Help it to be a blessing to the world what's done here and through the local church. Help souls to be drawn closer to you. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, as you so aptly pointed out, the lesson this week is on uh, is to love the Lord your God. And I've put in our summary outline that this week's lesson focuses on God's love for us and our love and obedience to God. That connection mm -hmm. and relationship. Um, the uh, Interestingly, the memory the verse for this is Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. And if we actually look at verses 4 through 6 in Deuteronomy 6, a lot of our lesson this week is really based on that little chunk. And there's some other passages. We'll refer to those here shortly. Mm -hmm. But in Deuteronomy, in fact, I'll start in verse 3. I'll have you start in verse 3. Why don't you read that for us? Deuteronomy 6, verses 3 through 6. Deuteronomy 6, 3 to 6. Yes, sir. Right page there. It says... <clears throat> There we are. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, 
that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord your God of your fathers has promised you. Now I probably should pause right here and just remind our viewers that Deuteronomy 5 is the re-giving of the Ten Commandments. It recounts mm -hmm. the Ten Commandments. So it's in that context when the Lord says, therefore, hear and be careful to observe. He's talking about the commandments, the commandments that were just themselves. reiterated. Yes. Okay. Well, it continues in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Now, another point here that I think is fascinating is for a lot of Christians, uh, when Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy and he said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Mm -hmm. And they say, oh, that does away with the Ten Commandments. Yet here where he quoted from, it's a summary of, or a summation right. of, like the commandments were just given, and this is the Lord's way of, he just got done in verse 3 to talk about being careful to observe them, and then he says, you shall love the mm -hmm. Lord with all your heart, and he ties that to right. So it's your point, it's like what Christ is giving is a summary of the law, not a substitute That's for exactly the law. That's <laughs> exactly right. That's exactly right. So here are talking points for this week's lesson. Um, I've drawn them from... Well, I'll just share as I go along. Number one, to know God is to fear Him. Mm. And I've drawn that from Monday's lesson this week. Number two, God loved us first. And that's drawn from Tuesday's lesson. And number three, God commands us to love and obey Him. Commands us to love mm. and obey Him Sunday, Wednesday, and Thursday's lesson. Well, this is pretty simple and straightforward, but I think there's some, as I know, in fact, <laughs> yes. there's some depth here that we're going to get into that's a little bit more than the cliche you might be expecting. Well, yeah, in depth and, and some, obviously, to know Him is to fear Him. Uh, if I were to just <laughs> hang it right there, I mean, a lot of people would be up in arms in protest. Yeah, they're like, the phrase well, is to know Him is to love Him. doesn't sound yeah, good, yeah. and, well, and... Even Well, so let's talk about that a little bit. <laughs> to know God is to fear Him. And of course, the lesson goes in on Monday. The lesson is to fear God. It talks about the issue of the idea of fear. And if anybody's had this discussion before in Christian terms, you know, fear in the Bible refers to awe and reverence. Mm -hmm. in, in most cases, when you're dealing with fear of God, mm -hmm. it's awe and reverence, um, not um, servile fear, abject terror. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is, in fact, uh, the dictionary definition for reverence is a deep respect for someone or something. And so I put in the lesson here that reverence, defined as a deep respect for someone or something, is the result of knowing God. You can't have a deep reverence or respect for, or, or an awe or respect for somebody you don't know. Right. And so what I'm wanting to look at here as the lesson touches on fear and fearing God and the idea of reverence is that reverence grows out of knowing God. The better we truly know, and I'm not just talking about, you know, oftentimes we talk about knowing God in the terms of the intimate relationship that God calls us to have with Him, and I'm not discounting that. But I'm talking about more of the understanding who God is in An that framework. An objective understanding, just, it's just seeing Him for the reality as of the, who he is. Yeah. As the creator of heaven mm -hmm. and earth, as the, uh, in the words of Revelation, the one on the throne from whose face heaven and earth <laughs> fled away. Right. You know, just these words that evoke these images of the awesomeness the and majesty the of God. Yeah. And so uh, what's interesting to me is when we talk about fear, uh, I've gotten a notes here that the word fear means fear. Because we talk about fear, and, and we get to this pre-angels' messages. Cause we, yeah. So for Seventh-day Adventists, this is a discussion that comes up a lot, because right. our 
one of our messages is fear God and give glory to Him. Mm -hmm. And we make the point that fear means reverence for God. Mm -hmm. But what's really fascinating is the Greek word that's translated fear in fear God in Revelation 14, 7 is the Greek word phobos, where we get the, or phobeo, phobeo yeah. where we get the word phobia from. And a phobia is, if, and, and incidentally, phobeo means to put somebody to flight, like put them to, they're running away. Like the earth fled away to, kind of thing, yeah. To terrify or frighten. Mm. And so in the, play, the very same words in the Bible that are used to talk about reverential fear for God are also used to talk about terror-stricken fear mm. in other situations. And the reason is because there's an element of that, and we're going to explain it, but there's an element of that in how we relate to God. Not that we're to be in abject terror of Him, but that when we realize who we're in the presence of, mm -hmm. it evokes a... How do I word this? I mean, when you realize that you're in the presence of somebody who could speak you into non-existence, right. even though he wouldn't, just the reality that he could yeah, it's a real thing. something. Yeah. Well, you think of like the natural, and, and there's a reason when God decided to reveal himself, he didn't always come, I mean, of course, in Jesus yes. and the human, but he would come lightning and thunder and earthquake. Mm -hmm. and, and although he speaks in the still small voice, he's still the God of nature, the God of creation, the God of the universe. And, and right. you think of those natural, even like lightning came very close to our house uh, just a couple of weeks back <laughs> and it blew some stuff off the trees and stuff. And yes. You look at these massive <laughs> cottonwood trees that have just bark and splintered right. off. You're like, I have a newfound appreciation, yes. a sincere fear of lightning. Yes. Not like I'm abject, like I'm going to cry every time I think right. of it. But I'm like, that is that is to be regarded Like every highly. time there's a thunderstorm, you're cowering in the right. corner I'm of the house afraid. somewhere. <laughs> but I'm reminded, like when you see like these massive rocks, you see these powerful thunder and lightning storms. God equates, God relates to us in that way that yes, he is our friend and our, Christ is our older brother, but we must never forget that he is still God on the throne and, and that there is a, there is an inherent sovereignty and, yes. and universal power that we can't even put into words. So what I've put in the notes here is that in the context of reverence, this simply emphasizes the reality that we are in the presence of something so much greater than us that it calls out our awe and respect. Amen. And so it's it's the idea of that reverence is something that comes from realizing the majesty of God and that he, we're not on the same plane. We're not peers with God. Mm -hmm. So it's sometimes you get the idea that when we when we look because of the mercy of God, because God and God's mercy is a condescension. You understand mm -hmm. what I mean by condescension? It's a stooping down. He doesn't need to be merciful. There's nothing that requires him to be like we deserve every bit of justice God would pour out on us, mm -hmm. but he doesn't. And because of that, it can make us take advantage of it and mm -hmm. treat him like uh, as one uh, uh, evangelist put it at one point, some people view God as a beggar with a tin cup waiting for a dime. You know, it's like, mm. hey, if you can give anything, you know, just help me out. Like, he's okay with any kind of service we give to him. Mm -hmm. He's not. Mm. He's almighty God and there's a certain kind of service required. And so mm. that's when you look at the passage now, Deuteronomy 10. Why don't you read Deuteronomy 10, 12 for us? And the lesson highlights this here on Monday. Sure. And now, Israel, what does the Lord require of you? but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes. Right, that's the verse. verse 13. So, what does the Lord require? 
He requires this reverence. This is not a suggestion or whatever. This is required of God. And I can't help but think of um, when Jesus told Nicodemus that if you're not born again, you cannot, a person who's not born again cannot enter the kingdom of God. And I often make the distinction, we've discussed this before, between cannot and may not. If I say you may not do something, that means I'm not letting you. But cannot refers to your ability or your right. fitness to. And when God, I believe the reason God requires this reverence is without this level of reverence, you would be unfit for heaven. Mm. I mean, the angels veil their faces in the presence of God. In fact, there's an awesome statement here. Maybe you read that from Patriarchs and Prophets, page 252. Humility and reverence should characterize the deportment of all who come into the presence of God. In the name of Jesus, we may come before him with confidence, but we must not approach him with the boldness of presumption, as though he were on a level with ourselves. And that's a powerful statement. So we can come with confidence. Our confidence is because we come through Jesus, right. <laughs> who is God. You not know, just like, hey, you left the door, so I'm good now. Slow down. You're always through Christ doing this, right? But, goes on. Yes. There are those who address the great and all-powerful and holy God, who dwelleth in light unapproachable, as they would address an equal, or even an inferior. There are those who conduct themselves in his house as they would not presume to do in the audience chamber of an earthly ruler. Mm. These should remember that they are in his sight whom seraphim adore, before whom angels veil their faces. God is greatly to be reverenced. All who truly realize his presence will bow in, bow in humility before him. And like Jacob beholding the vision of God, they will cry out, How dreadful is this place! There is none, this is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Okay, hmm. so the point there was to know God is to fear Him. To realize the majesty and awesomeness of God brings forth that reverence. Um, it, it, it's born out of that. In fact, we were talking a little bit, and I, I don't want to pass this up, that there's a trend in some places today to refer God on a very personal level to the point where I've had people and when they're praying they just say hey dad and instead of our father or something I saw you you shudder it it is I have and I don't want to be condescending about it because there are people who sincerely think that well he said call us Abba father and so we don't want to hurt their spiritual walk and Abba means kind of like affectionate daddy exactly but but it's not like like uh, you know there's still there's still there there's a closeness we can have through Christ and it makes praise the Lord think for of something it, but a we don't want to used to say about uh, uh, you know Jesus said to his disciples to call I call you my friends mm-hmm. and uh, there was one pastor who said but there's a difference between Jesus and our other friends we don't worship our other friends that's right so as much as he calls us friend there's a di- he's not on the same level and that's the right. thing he's and so God. the Lord approaches us in, in ways that we can understand and analogies we can appreciate but that doesn't negate his inherent godness that we must always that's be right. be aware of that's right and that's where the reference Which, comes from by the way segueing to the next one yes God indeed. loved us first now that we have this enormity, this magnitude of God in our minds, it makes all the other stuff that comes after it even all the more impressive, right? Absolutely. Like God, from that position, loved us. That's right. The lesson draws some of those things out. Now, Tuesday's lesson is called, He First Loved Us. And the lesson highlights several verses which express God's love. Uh, Deuteronomy 4.3, Deuteronomy 7.7 7 and 8, Deuteronomy 7.13. And they're listed there in that first read section of Tuesday's lesson. But they're all, the clear takeaway from the verses is that God is the initiator Mm -hmm. in the love relationship. He first loved us, as the lesson cites from 1 John 4, 19. And so this concept of God's love, in fact, there's a great uh, uh, statement, Tuesday's lesson, paragraphs 
3 and 4. Uh, they're mm-hmm. under the house section with God's love. You want to read those two? Sure. For God's love for us predated our existence in that the plan of salvation was in place way before the foundation of the world. Reference there to Ephesians 1.4. As Ellen G. White said it, the plan for our redemption was not an afterthought, a plan formulated after the fall of Adam. It was a revelation of the mystery which hath been kept in silence through times eternal. It was an unfolding of the principles that from eternal ages have been the foundation of God's throne. Okay, so she's using the language of Romans 16 there, the mystery kept in silence. That means it was silent. We didn't know it, but it existed. It was there. It hadn't been manifested. But this concept of God's love predating our existence, this is so foundational. You know, a lot of Christians, new and old, suffer from feelings of inadequacy and insecurity because of that and that kind of thing. I don't know if I measure up, etc., etc., which is a very faulty mindset to have Mm. as a Christian. And understanding, not grasping the significance of this idea of God being the initiator. In other words, think of it this way. God loved us first, but let's weave into that God's, the fact that he has foreknowledge. Mm -hmm. That before he ever created any of us, he knew what we would do. And he still made us. Because we can tend to say, well, yeah, he created, but he created when, when you know, Adam and Eve, and they were perfect, and, and, and he loves us when we do good. And But then... But, but God already knew what would happen, even with those who would be lost, and he still mm. created them to give opportunity. So this idea of God's initiating the love means his love can never be dependent on what we do, because his love was there before we ever did. Mm. Good or bad. Yeah. There's something about the idea that there is no question that this starts, did God know, mm-hmm. that ever ends with anything but a yes. It's always a <laughs> right. yes, he knew. So when you think about your mistakes and failures and your fallbacks, mm-hmm. it's like, he knew that, and here you are. That's right. He, knowing that you were going to do that, he still made a you. That's right. What does that do to your psychology? I mean, that's, it's got to do something to your that, frame of that mind. That should help us. All, no matter how many times the devil comes to assail us with the thought that, well, now you messed up and you're too far gone. We should always be able to go back and realize, despite what the devil whispers in our ears, that God knew ahead of time and he loved me then and he loves me now. That love is mm. constant. It's unchanging. God is unchanging. He is always, mm. as you put earlier, he is always on our side. He's always on our side. Mm. He's on the side of the lost. They didn't choose him, but he wanted them to be saved. Mercy. He didn't turn to a point where he's like, I don't want you to be saved anymore. It's the People are lost by their own choice. So it's just mm. fascinating. And I put in the notes that this characteristic is unique to the Judeo-Christian worldview. Yes. As much as we have lost a lot of it. In other words, all the other religions of the world have man trying to appease their gods, seek uh, uh, to mm-hmm. turn their gods, change their gods' mind, and what have you. Not in biblical Christianity. However, yeah, there, as you brought up, in, and maybe you're about to head there, but the idea is sometimes even Christians take on that pagan concept of appeasement and say, well... well it's been tainted through... The devil isn't isn't happy with that viewpoint, so he's tainted it and made... Way back in Israel, he made them think that the sacrifices, rather than God giving mm-hmm. Christ to save them, they were giving God something exactly. to love them. And even from the Christian perspective, the New Testament, you can say, well, well, now God loves, or now God, we're accepted him because Christ appeased him, like bought right. off his wrath right. with his I don't have to appease God his anymore. Blood sacrifice. Yeah. Jesus appeased him. Right. The idea <laughs> no. being like God, the whole like, sending of the Son was a demonstration of his love, not a, re- not, a mechanism to begin his love. That's exactly right. Mm. This great, uh, what does Ellen White say in Steps of Christ, this great love was not 
uh, um, uh, I forget the exact wording of it, but it was not because God sent His Son because He loved us. His mm-hmm. love, the propitiation of the sacrifice, was not to create in the Father's heart a love that wasn't there. Right. It was always there. He loved it's us first. It's an expression of love. And that yeah. loving us first is foundational to the Christian faith. And that leads us to yes. the third talking point, and that is that God commands us to love and obey Him. And we see this in the lesson, Deuteronomy 6, 4 and now 6. Now, that's an odd construction. Commanded to love. Like, doesn't yes. that almost undermine like the whole concept of well, love? Well, we've already talked about this in the lesson. I don't know if it was last week or the week before. We talked about the freedom of choice. And mm-hmm. choice has to be given freely. You can't force choice. You can't force love right. because love is a choice. So then to say he commands us to love it seems counterintuitive. and obey yeah. him. Um, you know, and the question on, on uh, Sunday, in fact, it starts on Sunday. And that first read section says, read Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. And then it asks, what command does the Lord God give to the children of Israel in verse 5? It's a command to love. <laughs> it's a command to love. So I'm not making this up. So then the question is, what does that tell us? So one of the first things that came to my mind was, why don't you read what it says there in book Education 126? Every command is a promise. Accepted by the will, received into the soul, it brings with it the life of the Infinite One. It transforms the nature and recreates the soul in the image of God. That's a fascinating statement. Every command is a promise. I think we need to keep in mind that there is no commandment of God that we can keep Ooh, without God. That's such a good point, yeah. So the the whole idea, when God gives a commandment, it's, he's not surprised <laughs> that we didn't keep so, it. So it's not like we have love that he wants us to tap into on his behalf. It's like, right. now I want you to give me some of that love. He's yeah. like, you don't have any love. So if you're going to have a relationship with me, I have to give you the parts that I need in return. I, right? I've always, it, it, I, I always say this, something similar in connection with the Sabbath commandment. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. How is an unholy being ever going to keep anything holy? Yeah. And so inherent in the commandment is God's going to make us holy. There's a mm. promise in all that he, he commands us. Uh, the idea of, this gets me today in the Christian world, it's like, you Seventh-day Adventist, uh, you're always worried about the Sabbath. We can't keep any of the commandments. All God wants us to do is love. Like, really? That's all he wants us to do? Like, all we have to do is love perfectly like God loves? In other <laughs> words... In other words, as though we have a reservoir of our own love that we can contribute at all. As if it's any easier to love than it is to keep the commandments. And we know from Romans 13, 8 to 10, and we're not going to read it right now, but Mm -hmm. we can't love uh, any more than we can perfectly obey God's love. Love is the outworking of the law of God. And plus that reveals a, a discounted understanding of what love is, a cheapness to love. This yes. is like, man, I can't keep Sabbath. I can't but honor I can my love. parents. I mean, all he wants is a little bit of love. It's like, that little bit of love is the greatest principle of heaven. How do you think you have can tap into that, but you can't keep Sabbath? Oh, there's so much we can mm. say here, but just being in the personal ministries department, where a big part of our job is to get church members active in sharing their faith mm. so others can be saved. There's a lot of talk in the church about love, but that love that we talk about doesn't seem to motivate us to go and reach out to save Come souls. On Come on so, now. Well, that's what you're talking about, a quality mm. of love. Look at these statements. Uh, Acts of the Apostles 5.51 says, Supreme love for God and unselfish love for one another. This is the best gift yes. that our Heavenly Father can bestow. The unconsecrated heart cannot originate or produce it. Only in the heart where Jesus reigns is it found. So this love is a gift from God. Mm. 
If he's commanding it, it's something he's going to give us. And I don't want to give too much away, but next next week's study, we're going to get in our love for man and how that mm. expression of God's love is manifested in love for others. But this exact oh, sorry point, for jumping the gun. No, no, no. It's that. a good it's a good <laughs> foreshadowing. But the point is that this when people hear like, oh, it's a good thing we don't have to keep the law now. It's just love. We we have a, a very low value on what that love really per, entails, yes. and if we were to truly love as Christ loved, it would radically alter uh, not only our relationship with God, but our relationship in the church and in the community. It would be a whole different thing, and we don't have it to offer. We have to get it. Absolutely, from God. check out this statement from God's Amazing Grace one fifty eight. It says, "Man gains everything by obeying the covenant keeping God. God's attributes are imparted to man, mm. enabling him to exercise mercy and compassion." Mercy. So whatever you would be doing apart from that, it might be nice, but it's, it's not, not mercy. It's and not compassion. mercy and compassion as God. God values it. Right. And so mm. love is the law expressed in the life I have mm. in the notes, and love is expressed by our obedience. So the lesson brings us out on Wednesday. Uh, perhaps you could read Wednesday, the third paragraph in the lesson, where it sure. says this, this is why. This is why when John says such things as, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Or when Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. These verses are merely expressing this basic te- teaching. Love to God must always be expressed by obedience to God. That has always been the case, and it always will be. And this obedience to God means obedience to his law, the Ten Commandments, which includes the Fourth Commandment, the Sabbath, as well. Mm -hmm. Keeping the Fourth Commandment is no more legalism than is keeping any of the other nine. That's right. So I've put in the notes here, obedience is more... Sometimes we say, well, God saved us, and then we obey in response, almost as if, to your point a minute Mm -hmm. ago, like we have this reserve of ability to obey, but we'll give it when we're motivated to do it. When I'm when I'm stirred enough by the Calvary picture, or whatever, then it's like, okay, I'll open up my storehouse of love and I'll return. What? Right. We don't There's have a storehouse. Right. And so obedience is more than merely showing our love. It is the outworking of God's yes. love in the life of the converted. You want to read the rest of that statement from Acts the Apostles 551? Oh, powerful. In the heart renewed by divine grace, love is the ruling principle of action. It modifies the character, governs the impulses, controls the passions, and ennobles the affections. This love, cherished in the soul, sweetens the life and sheds a refining influence on all around. Amen. So we look at the idea of God's, the awe and majesty of God, Mm -hmm. which uh, the lesson asks the question, what if God were hate instead of love? And my response is he would still be God. Yeah. And so pray, you know, like, it's like, I want, I've had people say, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't believe in a God who burns people forever in hell. And I can appreciate that. But even if, if God did burn everybody. <laughs> He'd still be the guy doing it. would just be terrible. You could, you, yeah. you could not believe in him just because I don't believe in bad people. You know, it's like, <laughs> so when you realize that God in all his awesomeness is a loving and merciful and compassionate God. Mm-hmm. That just enhances, Amen. as you had mentioned earlier, everything. So the, the idea of drawing out the reverence to God and the, the desire to uh, love and obey him, something God puts in our hearts in his own compassion, his love and his mercy, mm. uh, is just phenomenal. The conclusion of the lesson actually takes us back to what the theme is going to be, the, the theme of study throughout the eternal ages. You want to read that from uh, Great Controversy? Sure. The cross of Christ will be the science and the song of the redeemed throughout all eternity. In Christ glorified, they will behold Christ crucified. 
Never will it be forgotten that he whose power created and upheld the unnumbered worlds through the vast realms of space, the beloved of God, the majesty of heaven, he whom cherub and spinning, uh, shining seraph delighted to adore, humbled himself to uplift fallen man, that he bore the guilt of shame of sin and the hiding of his father's face till the woes of a lost world broke his heart and crushed out his life on Calvary's cross, that the maker of all worlds, the arbiter of all destinies, should lay aside his glory and humiliate himself for the love, from, from love to man will ever excite the wonder and adoration of the universe. You see in that statement, all in that, all those phrases that evoke mm. those images again, the arbiter of all destinies, yeah. right? Just the majesty of God. Yeah. And yet, in all of his greatness, it just magnifies his humility and condescension. And just as much as we can't cover it in a 30-minute little presentation here. We can't cover it evidently in eternity. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And this is going to be our science. We're going to study it. We're going to sing about it. We're going to extol it. We're going to re reflect on it mm. for infinite time. Mm -hmm. This is bigger than we can put language around. And praise right. the Lord, it's real. Amen. 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 Well, on that note, let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this powerful God that you are and for being a good God, a loving God, a self-sacrificing God. Help us, Lord, in our, in our walk with you, in our uh, relations with other people even, to keep that truth, that reality of your grandeur and your self-sacrificing love in our minds. Help it to not just call forth a response from us, but Lord, change us so that we can respond that somehow we can become more like you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.